it's a lot of work on the front end for a new buyer and they have to do a lot of homework. Which brokers do I talk to? Which brokers are specialists here? Who does work in San Antonio? Who does work in New Braunfels? Who does work in XYZ markets? But you just have to do that because you need to hear the story because these deals move, especially right now, the market being so fast and so liquid and so just on fire, you have to pick up the phone and talk to brokers. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Five Talents Podcast. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. I interview the top commercial real estate investors and industry experts so you can learn from their experiences. So if you're an investor, a high W-2 earner or real estate or tech sales professional that wants to invest in real estate without having to manage properties or leave your day job, then this podcast is for you. Or if you're already investing in real estate, but you're doing it part-time and you want to become a full-time multifamily or full-time commercial real estate investor, this podcast is for you too. You're going to learn a ton. You will learn from real-life multifamily investors and other professionals in the industry. They're going to share their blueprints for success. And I'm super excited that you're here. So I hope you enjoy the show. All right. Hello, hello. This is Abel Pacheco, your host for the Five Talents Commercial Real Estate Podcast. We're super excited today because we have just an amazing guest that she's going to bring a lot of value for you for both passive investors. I think it's good to hear, you know, kind of his insight and also new general partners because you're trying to figure out how do I get the best deal at the best price and how do I, you know, figure out this whole world uh, buying a commercial asset and Mr. Robert Arzola. Thank you very much for having us on the show, man. So how's it going, brother? Abel, thank you for having me. It's, it's you know, we're doing well. We're doing great. Family's good. Business is picking up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great to hear, man. Family, business, everything, things are opening up. We record in November of 2020 and the deals are finally starting to fly. <laughs> so it's exciting. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting because normally during this this season is, you know, it's RFP season. We're doing a bunch of heat checks and value checks for our clients, but you know, I just anticipate con- just continual deals to happen as I think a lot of us took a break for 4 months. Maybe not you able because I know you guys were pretty busy, yeah. but the rest of the world was t- was hitting the pause button and I think we're still going to move along these next couple of months and finish off 2020 strong. Well, great, man. I'm ready to ride the wave <laughs> for sure. And hopefully that pent up demand helps, you know, really all of us, the, what is it? The old saying is all boats rise with the rising tide or something. That's along right. Those lines. Yeah. So we're in that, man. Well, for those that don't know, Mr. Robert Zola, he's the director of capital markets for JLL. Locally here, he specializes in San Antonio, multifamily property. So that's how I, I've known him, got connected with him this year. Super just grateful to have him in my network and, and it helping me along the way as well. So he really spent the beginning of his commercial real estate career selling hotels. He did that at a competing brokerage shop. So he definitely has a good insight and a good mindset to what the heck is going on in the uh, the commercial space. And then if you're a, a Texas buyer, this is a good one here for San Antonio. So you should gain some value. And like I mentioned, both for passive investors and active general partners, I think you're going to learn a lot. So let me turn it over to you for a minute, Robert. Give us a good introduction. Like, who are you? You know, where did you come from? That kind of thing. Just, you know, in the commercial real estate space, give us some color. And then let's just talk about, you know, Absolutely. what you're doing today. We'll dive in from there. Well, again, Abel, thank you for having me on the show. 
a little about myself, Robert Arzola, born and raised in Laredo, Texas. I went to university there, Texas A&M International University. I studied economics and finance, did fairly well in academics. I thought that everybody and their mothers was just dying to hire Robert Arzola. <laughs> that wasn't the case. I did a stint at Sony. <laughs> yeah. No, I did a stint at Sony Electronics. I was just an accountant there and then quickly moved into what I really wanted to do, which was real estate. Fortunately for me, I started off at Marcus Millichap in their sales intern program, worked for a very dominant hotel team there and was really fortunate because I got molded by some of the best hotel guys. So for about five years, I was at Marcus Millichap doing hotels in San Antonio and Texas oil and gas markets, which was fantastic because the clientele really helped me, I guess, just learn how to not only pitch, but more importantly, negotiate. It's a really interesting client. It's very private capital in the hotel space that I worked in. I was fortunate enough to make some really great impressions with some guys that I admire. And they moved along into JLL and they brought me along, but I had to make a pivot. I pivoted into multifamily. So again, I started off with a really great team, Mark Simelichap, and then I moved into an even, you know, just as great team at JLL. And those guys, you know, pretty much taught me a lot of great things. And so now I'm in a phase in my career where I'm leading the JLL, San Antonio investment sales team. And I've dabbled in San Antonio. I've dabbled in Texas secondary and tertiary markets, Corpus Christi, Rio Grande Valley. And really it's up and down the chain scale. What I mean by that, we'll do a 50 unit to 350 unit, class A to 1969 kind of thing. So uh, you have to be a little versatile playing here in San Antonio and Texas secondary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Good insight. And one of the reasons I wanted Robert on is because he's got a good, you know, really insight to the South Texas, South Texas area. You know, we talked about, I'm from Corpus Christi. That's where I grew up. You know, we spent some time there, you know, my first half of my life. And then now in San Antonio, the second half, and then Robert was helping me or kind of coaching me along through, you know, another acquisition that we're doing and McAllen, Texas, so RGV area. And so, you know, all of those things kind of goes, hey, man, Robert, you need to come on the show and you need to give us some insight. So your first five years, how did you get the first role at Marcus and Millichap? You went from no, you know, no real estate experience, like you said. And, you know, talk a little bit about that professional development. I think we can all learn no matter what we're doing, whether investor, W2 full-time or, you know, any, anybody that's listening today, talk to us a little bit about your, you know, your path in professional development. It's interesting because I literally didn't, in the university, I had a couple of jobs saying, you know, well, I was a mentor, I was a tutor, but it didn't really help me, you know, become the sales agent that I am today and not anywhere close to the guy I was like eight years ago when I first started. So I was that guy that first day on the job asked if I could go and, you know, use a restroom. Hey, can I go <laughs> and uh, take my lunch kind of thing? Yeah. It was bad. So I had to read a lot of books. I had to, you know, I had to surround myself with some really, really guys that are a lot smarter than me, a lot of mentors. I think uh, there's a couple of syndicators that really hone in on, you know, get a proper mentor. And I was very fortunate enough without even asking, there were guys at Mark's Millichap, just whether it was they felt bad for me or whatever the case was, they brought me under their wing and were pretty much teaching me, you know, the things to say on the phone, the things not to say on the phone, how to act, how to dress, how to tie a tie kind of thing. Really just molded me into who I am today. So I'll give you an example. 
you're thrown in Mark Smilichap, great company culture, one of the best places to start when if you don't know real estate, because they really teach you what a cap rate is. Mind you, it's not like I've never seen a spreadsheet before, right, Abel? Like I was a finance yeah. and you know, fortunately for me, I graduated, you know, at the top of my class, but nonetheless, I had no real estate schooling. So a lot of it was self-taught and a lot of it was through some of the workshops that, that Mark Smilchap had and the mentorship there. But really it's just just diving in the deep end and being okay with being vulnerable, being okay looking like a fool. We had that phrase, play the clown. Mm, and what does mm-hmm. that mean is yeah. ask a question, say something stupid, who cares? Mm-hmm. We've all been there and continue to ask questions. I think that when you're not asking questions, like if I'm teaching an analyst, if I'm talking to anybody or even a client and they're not asking me questions, you know, sounding silly or sounding dumb, then I can't gauge you and I can't talk to you and I don't know how to form the conversation right. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you ask a silly question, or right, I'll bring it down a level and then eventually we'll start getting from there. So I had to play the fool a lot. I had to play the clown. And eventually I, you know, was a dummy. And then eventually I was, you know, buffoon. And then eventually I became somewhat half decent, you know, okay, guys. I'm not smart yet. No, but fortunately I'm in real estate. You don't have to be smart. Yeah. 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 I love it. I heard somebody else say, I can't remember exactly who it was. It was someone on my podcast, but they were talking about one of the buyers that had bought three deals, sold a couple, and he was asking his advisor, he's like, hey, um, how do you come up with cap rates again? <laughs> and his advisor oh was like, dude, we've done like $30 million in transactions. And you're asking me how they came up with this or how does this number work? I mean, that's the, that's the awesome part about real estate, in my opinion, is you know, you can have a team of experts and help you and guide you. And kind of like Robert said, man, at the beginning, kind of played the fool a little bit. And if you don't ask questions, people don't know you where you're at. And maybe they would have given you this wisdom, this insight, this golden nugget for you to pick up. But they thought you were either two steps ahead or two steps behind, and they didn't want to give it to you. But if you, if you, if you ask your question, if you're bold enough to just do that, now people can kind of gauge exactly where you're at, give you some insight that may change your paradigm for the next few years. And uh, you got you to gotta get out there and do that. And it's awesome. It's good mm-hmm. stuff, Robert. Okay. So, so you did that for a number of years, cut your teeth right. a little bit, had some great mentors. You definitely learned about cap rates. You took more than a right. few workshops. So tell us about today, man. Tell us about San Antonio Multifamily. What, what are you doing? How do you do it? And then I'll ask you, you know, a few more questions about it. So I'll say this. I think both you and I, Abel, are very, very fortunate to be conducting business in Texas and even being conducting business in San Antonio. So, you know, in San Antonio, we have an environment where it's labeled as, you know, sleepy town, right? It's slow and steady wins the race. And it's like, that wasn't too exciting, right? You know, in 2019, you had guys just killing it in, you know, Dallas and Houston and Austin. But fortunately, again, where we sit, Today in San Antonio, we've been very fortunate because it's still slow and steady and it's still in the right path. I keep telling guys like, look, San Antonio, yes, it's a military city, USA. We have a very healthy tourism market, uh, hospitality and tourism market that, you know, right now is not as strong. We have professional services, we have cyber tech, and we have healthcare. And one of the things that I'm going to continue to hone in on with these guys is like, look, professional services is is great for San Antonio. So for those that don't know, we have this 
area of town called Westover Hills, which essentially houses a ton of professional service jobs. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, major healthcare groups, major large banks, they have call centers, they have financial centers, and, and there's a stigma in call centers. They have that financial centers, I'll call it that. But these are jobs that all have degrees. And so we have a ton of that in San Antonio. And so I bring all that to say is what we're working on in town is we're working on a lot of deals up and down the spectrum that's suburban product, core assets, you know, whether they're built anywhere between 2015 and above, and there's going to be three pockets of town that they're located in as La Cantera, Rim, you know, Stone Oak and Westover Hills. You know, we're working a bunch of a bunch of clients that are, you know, doing workforce housing now is a buzzword, which depending on who you ask, it's 90s to, to 60s product, right? I don't necessarily work on the tax credit, low-income housing tax credit, light tech deals, uh, affordable housing, but market rate guy. But generally speaking, we're, we're doing well in town. JLL, which again is the group that I'm working with right now, um, just for those of you that don't know, JLL is a second largest commercial real estate investment services firm in the world. So I'm very fortunate, again, to even be um, associated with a group such as JLL. We've been doing our own rent collections tracker, just like NMHC. Okay, so we have just a little shy of, of 2,000 units that we've been collecting data. And even it goes to the point that I'm saying that we've been fortunate enough to do business in San Antonio. By our data set, San Antonio in the top 30 metros is number four throughout the pandemic from a performance standpoint. Mm-hmm. That's pretty rock solid, man, yeah. for being slow and steady. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> for being slow and steady, the... you know, whatever growth year over year for like the past, however many years, 20 or whatever year. Anyways, let me go back and summarize some of this, you know, for those that are listening, because there's a lot of good insights and I want to make sure you're, you're catching this, right? If I'm a passive investor and I'm trying to figure out where to invest my money, you know, Robert just explained in San Antonio, there's multiple different there's a lot of job diversity, military, hospitality, cyber tech, healthcare, professional services, and all of these you know, types of jobs have professional, degreed, uh, higher paying jobs. It's very diverse and it's not a one industry type of town. So yes, we're talking about San Antonio, but if you're in Michigan today, if you're in Ohio, you're in North Carolina, you're trying to figure out where the heck do I invest? You can go take these parameters to any market that you're in and really start to break down your market. How many different types of industries, what types of jobs, what type of market? And that will tell you, you know, how diverse the job market is. And really the reason we say jobs and job market is because where there's jobs, there are people. And where there are people, there are renters. And where there are renters, then that's good for all of us investing our dollars in there. So, you know, just a couple of things, right? Another thing that that Robert mentioned was the data set that they have to kind of collect properties on. So 2000 plus whatever listings, units, or not units, but 2000 properties, however you look at it, right? This huge data set that they've been collecting that's just like the NMHC. So Robert mentioned the National Multifamily Housing Council. They're basically, you know, when you look at the data sets right now during COVID, this is an awesome time to look at the data on what assets are performing, what vehicles are performing. And multifamily is one of the top performers, even during this time. And in our market specifically, San Antonio does pretty dang well. And, you know, so we're, you know, all these data sets, you know, for a passive investor, 
these are important to start to look into, check it out, go to the NMHC's website. They have some data. I'm sure, Robert, there's probably some on JLL's website. They pull out a bunch of information and stuff like that, right? Well, not necessarily this. This is proprietary. However, feel free to call me. I'll be glad to go through the minutia in this. Yeah. You know, last point on what Robert's saying, right? So this data is so crucial, so critical to everything that we're doing. So whether you're pulling it off of CoStar, whether you're looking at the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, whether you're looking at citydata.com, whatever source that you're starting to look at, what you want to do is find your advisors, somebody like Mr. Robert Urzola in San Antonio for us. A great advisor will make you millions of dollars as a general partner, an active partner, because he's going to help you, guide you through this process. And if you're a passive investor, make buddies with somebody like him because he can help you determine, hey, where should I put my money in my next deal? And who are the operators that I should go invest with? So anyways, those are all great, great points. I just, the general partners get all this data, but we have passive investors listening too. So this is awesome, Robert. Thank you. No, thank you. Okay. So now- Talk about, this is still for the passive investors that are listening, actually, and maybe even new general partners, somebody Mm -hmm. that's new to the world. I don't know how this commercial broker, I don't know how it works, right? Like I know that when I bought single family houses and I personally, I'm talking about me, I personally did this for 12 years. You know, I knew there was MLS. I could go pick a property anytime I wanted. And I bought some houses off the MLS. I also bought off market. We did marketing and, you know, tried to talk direct to sellers. Commercial brokerage is a little different. The world is different. There's no MLS. So why don't you just talk a little bit about like just the way it works? How do listings come to market? You know, what are the difference between different brokerage shops? You know, yes, I can go to like Crexy or LoopNet, but you know, even, you know, talk about this world a little bit and then we'll kind of dig in. Great question. So I guess I'll talk a little bit about, you know, kind of how I'll get a listing, right? So what I do, a lot of brokers do is, you know, we'll pick up the phone, we'll call clients and we will provide them a broker opinion of value and really just kind of hear the client out exactly what they want to do. Do they want to refinance, which JLL does that? Do they want to put it on the market? Do they want to put it off market? And essentially we're an intermediary in that regard. So what I do is as simple as I say, I find buyers and sellers and I connect them. Okay. So we do that. Now, once I have a client that says, Robert, I want to sell my property. Okay. Well, what I do is I pick up the phone or I send an email and I talk to guys who I have talked to already, right? Or maybe ones that I'm you know, that I know that are very active in the market. So every broker worth their salt has a distribution list, and so they'll have thousands of clients that have they've talked to at one point in the past that are like, hey, look. I want XYZ property. This, these are my parameters. I want 150 units. I want 1980s and above. You know, I don't want a chiller. You know, all these things. Um, we disseminate that information out. Now, that is what I would consider for a broadly marketed deal. Mind you, every brokerage shop, JLL including, we have our own, you know, portal. We have our own MLS, so to speak, it, you know, our website has not only the multifamily product that, that we sell, you know, the office and, you know, office, the industrial, the retail for sale. Our team also does leasing. So we'll have leasing sites as well. We'll have that. And, and every other broker does as well. So you can go through there. 
if I'm a new buyer and I want to go look at property, you know what? Sometimes you go to LoopNet, right? Or sometimes you'll go to CoStar. Sometimes you go to Crexy or you go to Apartments. Doc, or, um, I forget the name of the other one, Apartment um, per se. I don't know. One of those. You, you go to all those. The issue with going to those is that one, sometimes the data is not accurate. Two, when it's not accurate, you're spinning your wheels, underwriting deals that aren't available. And you know, sometimes too, it's, it's just not verifiable data sometimes. So the best way and something that you, Abel, are very good at is just continuously speaking to brokers and saying, what do you guys have available? What are you guys working on right now? And you know, eventually, you stop becoming new and you start becoming seasoned. And so like, if I have an assignment, I actually call Abel before he calls me, right? And so, and that's what ends up happening. So it's a lot of work on the front end for a new buyer. And they have to do a lot of homework. Which brokers do I talk to? Which brokers are specialists here? Who does work in San Antonio? Who does work in New Braunfels? Who does work in XYZ markets? But you just have to do that because you need to hear the story because these deals move, especially right now, the market being so fast and so liquid and so just on fire, you have to pick up the phone and talk to brokers. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. It's a good high level base, right? So we're trying to dig in, find out what the heck is going on. So how does this work? So thank you for that. Great insight. Now I am the the new buyer, right? I'm a new general partner that's listening to this and I'm trying to figure out, well, shoot, I would love to get a deal. I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to underwrite everything I possibly can. I'm trying to put in my offers man, how do I get on your radar other than calling you and bugging you? Because I bet you have some people that maybe bug you and people you enjoy speaking with. Tell us how to get into, you know, your good graces from your perspective. You know, what are the things that I can do as a, a new buyer, a brand new individual? I may have closed one deal. Maybe, maybe I'm looking for my first, but you know, less tenured folks. How do I do that? So I had the good fortune of actually speaking with some really good, just like first time buyers just recently. And so what they did is that they called me, they emailed me, they introduced themselves. Like I like when somebody tells me who they are and they profile themselves like, Hey, look, this is my first deal that I'm doing on myself. I've been, you know, on the LP side on 500 units. I've been on the LP side, 2000 units. I just want you to know this will be my first. I'm going to have some skin in the game. Here's the KP that I'm thinking about using. If it's not him, I got two other guys that, that I'm working with right now. And and so this first time buyer is talking to me. I was like, okay, he, yeah. he knows the game. He, all yeah. right, he knows what he's talking about. I talked to him about the deal, right? I give him the elevator pitch, sent him over the information. He did what he said he was going to do which is important in this business, right? Because when you have your first interactions, the only thing that you're working off is your word. So you're giving everybody your full trust and you're giving everybody word. Said, Robert, send me the information. I know you guys are going to be in best and final. If you can send it over to me right now, I will underwrite it and send you an offer whether I am hitting the mark or whether I am extremely away. And I will give you my pricing feedback and I'll give you my underwriting assumptions, et cetera. I was like, are you really going to give me all that? All right, fine. Go ahead. I'm, I'm gonna. <laughs> and so I send it over to him. And by, I have a lot of guys tell me that, right? Yeah. I kid you not. This one guy, and I'm not going to mention that. This guy sent me an LOI. He sent me proof of funds. He sent me uh, his underwriting assumptions. The dude made a dang video walking me through his Excel walking me through his model, I was like, all right. <laughs> all right. So anyways, it, needless to say, he's in my good graces. 
look, the offer wasn't competitive. Okay. That's okay. Mm-hmm. That helps me. Mm-hmm. That helps me as a broker because I can I have real-time feedback and I, I at least can point to the reasons why. Whether or not they're market rate assumptions, it helps me. Not necessarily, yeah, I can relate to the seller or it just helps me in my eternal bank and I make my notes. It's like this guy's this guy will send you some good nuggets. Yeah, yeah. I love it. At the simple things, right? For somebody that's listening that may not say, well, shoot, that's a lot of work. We're like, yeah, well, you're about to make an offer on a big <laughs> on apartment complex. You have a lot of work ahead of you. So, you know, what are you doing making an offer if you're not even prepared to do those initial things? But what I really enjoy was that that individual told you what he was going to do and followed through. I heard from my perspective, most people don't do that even first part. They don't do right. what they said they were going to do. Like that just blows my mind, I guess, in general. What percentage of people like, hey, I'm going to do this and then don't follow through. They give you a commitment and don't follow through out of all the people you talk to. Hello, hello. This is Abel Pacheco, your host for the Five Talents Podcast. After listening to a few episodes, deep down, do you know that multifamily and commercial real estate investing is one of the best ways to create financial freedom? If you said yes to that question, and you are where I was a few years ago, then I'd absolutely love to connect with you. A few years ago, I started personally consuming a ton of real estate education. I traveled all over the country, as many real estate conferences and seminars that I could go to. I took 200 plus hours of real estate education. I spent thousands of dollars along the way. And I did this because I knew the path to financial freedom for me and my family was through commercial real estate and syndication. So if you've made a similar decision, I'd love to connect with you. And potentially in the future, I'd love to partner with you as well. Take a moment, go to 5tcre.com forward slash invest, and I'd love to set up a time to talk. I mean, I'm just going to go off that, but the grand majority, nine out of 10 people are going to don't follow through, don't follow up. And, you know, they want everything. And the thing is, everyone tells me, hey, man, I'm just looking for off market. This is the first time I've ever talked to anybody, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I'm just looking for off market deals. I'm like, cool. You and my grandmother are looking for off market deals. <laughs> everyone. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But if you're not like just going through the motions and, you know, kind of walking, the thing is, you're selling yourself to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, like the same way I'm selling myself to a client that I want to earn their business. Like, yeah. th- the buyer has to sell himself to me. I'm nobody, right? But at the end of the day, like if I control the inventory, you have to sell yourself to me. If this is a deal that you want, then yeah, that's what you have to do. Yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense, Robert. You don't do this out of the goodness of your heart. Just like we kind of don't invest all of our hard-earned money, you know, just just because we want to improve a community. We want to help others. We want to improve right. a community, but we also need to feed our own families and whichever means, and this is the way to do it. I mean, so you're commission, commission-based. We want to spend your time in the most effective area, just like any other normal professional person, which is I want to do the most, you know, I want to be the most time efficient, time effective. I want to do the get the best results in the least amount of time. And that usually leans towards you know, de- de- uh, helping people that, you know, are going to deliver on what their promises and, and be able to perform. Right. So, you know, it makes perfect sense. So the way I think about it in terms of 
the normal MLS, people say, oh, 3% for the buyer, 3% for the seller mm. works a little differently in the commercial real estate side, right? So illuminate this whole, you know, percentage commission, all, all this stuff so that we, we can understand and frame it next time we're talking to, uh, to a professional like yourself. I can summarize it by saying that everything's negotiable, right? And that's the truth. Everything's negotiable. I'm not trying to be coy about it, but just hear the optics, right? Mm-hmm. In MLS, you know, there's predetermined splits. It's like, I've never sold residential. So I'm assuming like either it's split down the middle or maybe the buyer's broker gets the most, whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In this instance, it's the guy who controls the inventory makes the rules, right? Like if if I'm listing XYZ apartments on 123 Main Street and I have another broker who's maybe somebody's being represented by another broker, they reach out to me. So and and the the common question I, I always ask by that broker is like, well, what are you allocating for buyer's fee? And I'm like, hey, it's negotiable. Why is it negotiable? Not because I'm mean, but because I don't know who else is coming to the table. Right. So if I'm comparing three offers one of them is being repped by another broker mm-hmm. and that other broker is asking for essentially fee. Mm-hmm. And I got two other hot buyers and the net to the seller is the same. I mean, you tell me, right? Like, <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> you you yeah. tell me boss, but think about it like this too. If I'm a seller, I'm mm-hmm. just asking myself, like if Robert Arzola is selling a deal, do I want to pay another broker money so that that other broker is working on behalf of his client to beat me up. It's like, oh, you need a new roof. Oh, these HVACs suck. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You know, we yeah. found aluminum wiring and you didn't do pigtails. You know, all these things is like, you got to look at the optics here, right? I'm as a seller, I'm paying somebody to beat me up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's okay because you just don't know. Like, what if that other guy is like half a million more in price than everybody else? Yeah. Hell, beat me up. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. You can call me Shirley. Yeah. <laughs> can I have another, sir? Yeah. No, but here's another thing too. The mm. flip side to that is as a buyer, by the way, I've, I've worked numerous deals with other brokers and I've worked numerous deals with other brokers that are getting their fee from the buyer. Why? Well, because that buyer sees the importance on having somebody on his side that does this on a daily basis. And it's not a first time buyer. It's like I dealt with numerous clients that, you know, I, we just want to use this individual because they're good at negotiating. We trust this individual negotiating on our behalf and we've done numerous deals and that's how it works. And so we don't trust the listing brokers because they just want the most money. Right. Sure. Anyways. Yeah. Anyways. No, this, are, this is all good <laughs> insight. These are all good insights because that's what, you know, a new general partner is trying to figure out, well, shoot, I want to buy a deal. I want to try to figure out how I'm probably not going to invest time, effort, and energy into calling a bunch of potential sellers off of a co-star list or whatever. And I, it's just hard for them, you know, anybody to trust me. I go to commercial real estate broker, but I want them to send me a deal. They're better buyers. Whether it's my perspective or not, it's like, yeah, there's people that have performed 10, 15, 20 times and you know, I'm trying to get the first one. So, you know, having this insight does really provide some wisdom a little bit, at least in this conversation, framing right. the first conversation with somebody to say, how do they win? You know, wh- what do they think about? And now you have some, some insight and wisdom. And I would say, rewind that if you are trying to make your first offer and try to talk with a new uh, broker in, in a different market, or, you know, this is the first time you're going after it. That was really good, Robert. Uh, thank you very much. 
So what, um, you know, from, from your perspective, right, everything that you have going, you know, you've had a lot of success, you've done a lot of great things. Like, you know, why did you choose the multifamily segment or why did you end up going, you know, this particular path? You probably could have done a lot of things now, especially right. in your career, your development, like why multifamily, why commercial real estate multifamily? Just talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I, with the hotel background, the space that I was focused on was private client. And so I was working on the limited service, select service hotels. What that means is Motel 6 is La Quinta's. Mm-hmm. So just think about it. A Motel 6 in La Quinta, maybe it's like a 50, let's talk about in units because there's 50 rooms. So maybe it's a 50 room hotel, right? 50 mm-hmm. unit apartment. Well, they're very rarely going to go 100, 100 plus, 200 which you see that all day in multifamily. So what I wanted to do, like my late 20s, it was like, you know what? I'm at a point where I'm not necessarily a real estate practitioner, right? I'm a salesman and and I'm just doing this all the time. Not saying that you can't be a real estate practitioner selling hotels. That's Mm -hmm. not where I'm getting at. But at that point, I just wasn't, I saw myself like very one-dimensional. I wanted to broaden my horizons. And so I was very fortunate enough to to, to land at JLO with a really strong team and group of guys. And and what that allowed me to do was focus on larger deals. That allowed me to, in my opinion, I think multifamily brokers are some of the best in the business, some of the best in commercial real estate, because there's way more transactions in multifamily than there is in this is Robert Arzola speaking. This is from my purview. There's way more transactions in multifamily. When I was making the transition from hotels to multifamily, I was like, in the year of 2017, it was like, there's like 70 hotels that sold in this, t- in this entire state of Texas. Yeah. I'm like, double that sold in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, nah, you know what? I, I want to go where the money's at. Not saying that their money is in, in, in hotels, but there's a lot more velocity and there's a lot more uh, appreciation in hotels. It's it's very much of a business play more so in the select service space because think of it as nightly leases. Mm-hmm. The multifamily, it's you know yearly leases. It's not just a business play. It's a real estate play. And a bunch of things just started. I just wanted to grow in my profession and that's multifamily was my avenue to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds awesome. I definitely echo or have the same sentiments just about, you know, my investing, you know, from one asset class to another. And this is what I felt about multifamily the same way, even just from the investor side. So that's amazing. So on the same kind of, you know, mindset or path from an advisory role, a couple other things that I didn't hit on earlier, because I wanted to wait till now, when you talk to a new seller, somebody that's thinking about selling their, their property, you're the person that's maybe reaching out or they already know JLL, they reached out or you have them as one of your you know, consistent clients, right? They come to you for the advice and they come to you to advise them on, you have that expertise and they're asking you, hey man, is this the right, like what's my property worth? The broker's opinion. Mm-hmm. And then what is going on today? Should I refinance? Should I sell? What's my best position? So what kind of skills and expertise should I expect a good broker to have in my journey, my investing journey? Because we definitely want to know on that side, some of us are going to go on to buy 10, 15, 20 plus properties, even if it's our first one now. So like, man, I want to grow with somebody. I want to you know, have somebody that's going to help me through the process. So what should I you know, expect of an amazing broker on my side and what value can they provide me? 
Right. I mean, it's interesting. It's going to sound silly, but first and foremost, you got to like them, right? You got to like the guy that you're working with. You got to like the responses you're getting, the service. At the end of the day, we're a service provider. And is your broker calling you back? Is he responding? Is he doing the work or does he have other juniors doing the work for him, right? Or, you know, just we can go on and on about the service part of a brokerage. Part of that is you need to feel good inside about working with him or her, excuse me. And then second, you know, and a couple of the things too is like, are they competent? You know, have they done deals in the area? Kind of like how a realtor is like, well, no, I only work on the north side. Well, my house is on the west side, right? And I was like, well, you know, you might not know how to how to value this. How detailed is their broker opinion of value? I mean, like, what are they talking about? Because sometimes if they're just providing numbers and they're not providing a story, because often, you know, an extra half a million bucks, an extra $250,000, an extra million bucks goes into the story, right? I'll give you a good example where I messed up. So we were presenting our BOV for a deal in you know, the I-35 corridor where everyone just wants to go into the 35 corridor. And I'm like, you know what? This property, it's I-35 corridor. Everybody loves it, right? And so I was doing the same spiel that everyone was talking about, you know, presenting my value, I was a million dollars lower than, you know, the next guy, right? And this was not recent. This was a while back. Just FYI, I'm not making this mistake. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely yeah, learning uh, from all of our mistakes. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not a reason. And this other shop, they had like a million dollars more. I'm like, what? Nah, and they just bought that business. I don't know what they're talking about. Where this property was located Yeah, was in the downtown part of this in-between city in the I-35 corridor in between city of San Antonio and, and Austin, right? I mean, I knew that. I saw that. I didn't know what was around it. or I did, but you, you didn't. And so they just crafted the story. And it only takes one. It only takes one buyer to prove you're right. There can be nine buyers to be like in Robert Arzola's camp. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, Robert Arzola knows what he's talking about with those nine out of 10. But that one buyer is like, oh, well, they lucked out. They got that black swan, you know, they are not black swan. They, they, they just got that guy, you know? And so to that point that I'm making is that you have to have someone who can really craft and sell the story mm-hmm. and understands that because at the end of the day, like this is real estate and you're just not looking at the comps. You're just mm-hmm. like, yeah, cause everyone's just be like, well, what are the comps? You know? And they're just looking, oh, well you see the front, the deal next door, the price per square foot is, is not what's in your book, right? What's in your book it's 20 cents more what these guys are achieving. I was like, well, look, look where this is located and look what you can do. What these guys are not doing, all that other jive. And just so you know, that deal right now is going through their unit enhancement program. I'm not mm-hmm. going to say it. And they're achieving far more than what I originally thought. So it's that story. It's that entrepreneurship. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're all entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. And it takes some of that. Sometimes, you know, you know, it's a little far out there, but. Yeah, you got to work with someone who you like working with, who's responsive, who knows their stuff, yeah. who can walk you through it. If after the conversation, you can explain it to your grandmother, if after the conversation, you can explain it to your investors, you know they know their stuff. If you come out confused, mm-hmm. he doesn't mm-hmm. know what he's talking, he or she does not know what he's talking about. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I like the story perspective because that's you know what we're trying to do. Here's the comps, but in this market, in this area, in this region- 
or in this I-35 corridor for those people that are not from Texas or don't know the San Antonio, there's a space between San Antonio and Austin. That's I-35 is the highway. That's the corridor. It's like a 45 to an hour minute drive from San Antonio to Austin. And it just like continues to converge or connect through San Marcos and New Braunfels and shirts and populations growing. And so is the property is growing and continues to expand new build. And also the trades that are happening, the prices are going up and up. And yeah, anyways, that's the I-35 corridor. But yeah, if you can project, hey, this is what's actually going to happen. And if you do these three things, interior unit, CapEx, reposition, whatever, market, whatever, the property is going to be a higher value. And you know, then you're like, okay, well, that's, that is the story. Is that a good solid business strategy? And if we, everyone agrees, then it trades for a higher price and you go do the deal and, you know, then we sell it again in a few years, but mm-hmm. maybe potentially for a higher price. So that's, that's all good. That's great, Robert. Thanks for sharing that insight. So the last couple of questions that I have, man, are as a general partner talking to you, I'm trying to buy a deal. Okay. I'm trying to buy it. What are the right questions that I should be asking you about a property? Make sure I get the best deal. So this is a little bit of the insider stuff, right? What do I ask you or any other broker? Like, man, what are the, the best questions to ask you to make sure I'm, I'm buying the deal correctly or at the right price, the right basis? So every buyer asks me, well, what's the story, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'll go through my story. Every buyer asks me, well, what is this going to be cough offers or will the seller preempt the process? Mm-hmm. Buyers who are worth their salt will ask me in sticking onto that preemptive process, what price is it going to, like, I'll have guys tell me what price is it going to take? You just don't know, right? You just, and sometimes there are deals. It's like, yeah, you know what? If you hit this number, this is the bogey, go ahead and shoot it. Buyer comes and asks me, I'm first time guy, set aside time to first time buyer, set aside time to, to truly and properly go through underwriting. I, a lot of, you know, myself and a lot of my, my competitors, there are times where we'll actually set aside time and actually go through our underwriting. And that's important when you're buying your first deal, because here's the thing. You may be going into the market where you don't know how they necessarily reassess for taxes. Okay. And you might be the guy that's reassessing 95%, which is obviously going to hurt your valuation when everyone else is, you know, reassessing for 80%. You're like, I just can't get to your number, Robert. You guys don't know what you're doing. I was like, well, hold on a second, man. What are you doing here? And then, and then payroll is another big thing. It, it depends on market. So go through the underwriting with your broker. Set aside specific time to talk about that. A couple of the other questions that a buyer could ask is, hey, after the call for offers, if I'm not competitive, can you let me know where I ended up? Yeah. I'm not going to call everybody and tell them that, you know, hey, here's where it ended up, particularly if you're not competitive. Sometimes I will just to, you know, if we had a very heated conversation, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. I was like, hey, hey, hey by the way, Frank. By the way, I traded uh, yeah. 2.5 million higher than you offered, but uh, yeah. no sweat. I'll talk to you on the next one. But anyways, yeah, that, that's good though. That's good though. Yeah. You're, you're saying, buyer, hey, could you let me know where I stand afterwards? <laughs> right? Uh, it's the same I thing stand. that I asked. That's the same thing I asked my sellers. It's like, look, where did everyone show up? What were they doing? What could I have done different? Who was the top? And you know what? Everyone's different. Some sellers are going to be like, oh, well, he, this group was a top. And this, actually, well, you guys were actually like kind of high, higher than everybody else. Uh, what are you guys doing? Do you really think you can support that value? Yeah. You know, having that open and honest dialogue, I think, is important. Whether, you know, for me as a broker talking to seller or for a buyer talking to me, 
I think at the end of the day, well, it is a people business, right? And so mm-hmm. you just got to talk to everybody. Like brokers get a bad rap sometimes because we're like, hey, you know, especially when you come from like the residential side, like sometimes you think that, oh, these guys are just do resi on the side or, you know, kind of use car salesman mentality. No, look, we're all practitioners here. You know, we're, we're all professionals. I'm willing to have a straight up conversation with anybody. I'll get open, you know, we'll get open kimono, you get open kimono, we'll talk, you know, and that's the only way to do business. Don't hold your cards, man. These guys, well, I don't know if I can tell you or, I, or my number or I don't know this. It's yeah. just, look, it's open conversation. There are times to be discreet. There are times to withhold information and that's okay too. So I think that's interesting that I said, I think a lot of times first time buyers are, they're so close to the chest. I don't know if they know what they're doing sometimes. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Like you said, people business, we got to work together. The communication happens. It may not work out to your favor on a single deal, but if we're talking about many multiple transactions over time, building a trust-based relationship on, hey, I'd like to buy many multiple and this is what it's going to be like. And if you know who I am and I know who you are, then we can cut a lot of the stuff out and say, hey, this will actually get a deal done. And then your seller advising them as well, because, you know, obviously we just want a deal to close on your side and on our side. So that, that's great, man. All of this stuff is good. Uh, Robert, you spent, you know, a good amount of time giving us this, a little bit of wisdom insight from your perspective. And I don't want to keep you longer than, than I had you, but I had such a good conversation, man. We just, it kept flowing. So thank you very much for everything. If somebody wants to reach out to you and get into your world, you know, the San Antonio seller or buyer, where do I go to? Where do I reach out to? And how do I contact you? Yeah, look, I'm super open on LinkedIn. You know, Robert Arzola, JLL Capital Markets, multi-housing director. Look that up. You'll find me. You can reach out to me on my number. Able, I trust that you'll provide that information. You can reach oh, yeah. out to me. You can say it email. out loud too if you wanted to. Fantastic. Reach out to me. My number mobile is 956-251-3282. My office line is 210-839-2042. Reach out to me on email. So that's robert.arzola, A-R-Z-O-L-A at am.jll.com. Yeah, we will put it in the show notes, but so that you have it as well. And uh, yeah, man, we look forward to continuing on the relationship and continuing working together. Is there anything that you wanted to highlight today? Anything that you wanted to bring some extra exposure to? I just didn't ask you or, you know, last parting words, just anything in general, man. You know, I just think that what you guys are doing, Abel, at Five Talents Commercial Real Estate is is just superb and fantastic. I think one thing that I will highlight is just if there's someone that you want to, as a first-time GP, as a passive, talk to guys who are active, producing content, enables one of them. So nothing on my side, Abel, just want to highlight that I really appreciate everything that you're doing. Mad respect, as they say. So continue the good work. All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And for everyone else, I'm Abel Pacheco, the host of your Five Talents Commercial Real Estate Podcast. And we would appreciate you liking uh, or subscribing, rating, and reviewing. Leave us a written review. If you think we can get better, give us some feedback. And if you think we're five-star, put it in, in the, uh, the reviews. We'd love it. So thank you very much. We'll see you on the next show. Robert, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Five Talents Podcast. 
I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. Each week, we're going to bring you interviews from other industry experts and commercial real estate investors who followed their dreams and achieved massive success. If you enjoyed this episode, then you're going to want a copy of our Passive Investor's Guide, Tackling Commercial Real Estate the Easy Way. It's the guide we use to invest in $93 million of commercial real estate. It's a 65-page ebook. It's a great resource to learn the basic mechanics of multifamily syndications. And we're going to show you how to evaluate your next passive investment opportunity. So if you subscribe to our podcast now, leave us a review and a rating, I'm going to give you a free copy. So take a moment to do that now. We'd appreciate it. And then you can register for the book at 5tcre.com forward slash ebook, 5tcre.com forward slash ebook. Let us know and we're going to send you a copy. Thank you so much for subscribing to the Five Talents Podcast.